0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Books and Brooms, the official Harmony podcast. As always, I'm your host, the Above Average Joe, and I've got everyone's favorite snarky Brit with me again.
1: Hey, guys, it's Lauren. Welcome to another episode of our favorite ship, and we've actually got a special guest with us today. And no, before you all ask, it's not my dad again. Um, it's <laughs> um, it's a friend of ours from who you guys may not know. Actually, it's Jenny. So.
2: Say hi, Ginny. Hey guys, I'm Ginny. It's nice to meet you all through the podcast.
0: I'm just thinking about how our listeners heard the name Ginny and probably went... <clears throat>
2: <laughs> okay, and that's hilarious because on the Discord I met Lauren through, my username on there is actually Weasley, so I apologize in advance for any, like, squicky feels you might get about my name.
1: Well, think it is actually your name, isn't it?
2: It is, but I'm not a Ginevra. I'm a Virginia.
0: That's fine. And I, I think it just, it's going to add to the ont- authenticity when we get to year six and we all get uncomfortable. So <laughs> uh, so basically, on this episode, we're going to be talking about kind of end-of-year adventures or adventures throughout the year. And don't worry, we're going to spend a lot of time on Battle of Hogwarts. I know it's where everyone wants to go, so we will go there.
1: Oh, no, because
2: it's
0: too depressing. That's not how you look at it.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Do, considering some of the tropes we were just talking about in our prep, and I've just thought of another one that maybe was just like, oh, God, no, um, which was part of the reason I um, refilled the thing that I did.
0: For those of you who don't gather a uh, subtext, Lauren just got more wine.
1: <laughs> yeah, because this, this episode, I know Joe jo normally drives me to drink, but I think this episode is particularly going to drive me to it.
0: So let's step into, yeah, honestly, the the beginning, the origins, year one, all the adventures and tropes therein.
2: So the first thing that I think we've got to do, if we're going to talk about Harry and Hermione in first year, we have to talk about their first interaction and how does that set them up? I think we've got to go there first if we're going to start talking about first year, because everything builds on that first interaction, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, so going back to what Denny was saying, year one, obviously their first interactions and how that sets everything up. Okay, let's go. She walks into the train compartment. Boom. Ginny, you want to start?
2: Yeah, so let's talk about it. She walks in and she immediately posits herself as this massive know-it-all. And it doesn't really set Harry up all that well to like her, but I think it's important for her. Because when we start talking about the first thing that we had gone on on the list which is the troll attack in first year. Um, it really starts from Harry recognizing somebody maybe that he didn't like, but has been in similarly crappy situations that he has been in. Because let's be real, That's let's really- talk about char- Harry's characterization in his history. The whole of his experience with others has really been the Dursleys and being picked on by Dudley. And he recognizes someone else that needs to be like helped out from a bullying situation. And this is probably the first instance of his hero complex coming in.
1: True, but I've just thought of another thing that actually we completely forgot about. Um, the first time they met Fluffy and also the duel. And you're going to get us killed or worse, expelled.
0: Going back to, to Jenny's comment, I would agree that I think the, the setup and the troll instance is a really good tee-up for, for Harry's character potential. Mm. Um, now, obviously, I think that falls off later in the books because of some narrative choices that were made. But... Uh, def-
1: it does also show um, tee-up Hermione's character growth as well. Because even in the first book, she goes from must obey the rules at all time to lying to a teacher in the space of three months to the space of a couple of months later setting a teacher on fire for god's sake all in the name of protecting harry
0: this goes back to something we talked about in our very first episode with how each member of the trio kind of serves a purpose to an extent you've got harry who does what needs to be done hermione being kind of the the evolving core of the group and ron just kind of being there
1: but to be fair, that's more later in the books. Ron actually serves a purpose in the earlier books. One, he's the one who knows about the wizarding world, and two, in some ways, he's the comedic relief.
0: In the earlier, especially
1: bu- if you look at the films.
0: in the earlier books, I would agree. But we're getting off topic here. So to go back,
1: yeah, I'm not saying in the later books. I'm saying book three, uh, books one, two, and three. Book four, he becomes a dick.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, obviously, we mentioned kind of Hermione's growth potential in the first book, how she kind of goes from insufferable know-it-all to an actual character and not just one-dimensional there. Let's talk about the obvious thing, all right? We all know the quote, friendship and bravery. We all know that there's there's obviously a suppressed and dot, dot, dot in there. Go. Doesn't that
2: just kind of hit on what Harry's personal journey has also been because I think often Hermione is set up as the summarizer in all of the books and I think it works really well because she is able to say what Harry is feeling in like big general terms and she can come back and say oh yeah well this is what's important and I think that's part of their connection is she's always able to voice what he's feeling in ways that he can't. I,
0: I, I do agree. I think she is a good emotional analytic for him. Because let's face it. Harry doesn't have the, the life experience. He
1: doesn't have that toolkit.
0: Exactly. He doesn't have the life experience to be able to, neg- to navigate complex emotional situations. And Hermione is able to walk him through it to an extent. And obviously that's something he develops later on. But in the first several books. She is kind of that wayfinder for him.
2: And I've got to definitely piggyback with you what you said earlier about lack of consistent characterization because I think the whole thing that keeps like getting dropped whether it's in the books or in fan fiction is that Harry came from an extremely abusive environment and that shapes who he is and how he reacts to things
0: yes that's and I think the... sorry,
2: go ahead. that oh sorry you're fine um I think that Hermione is able to express those emotions that he's feeling because he has such a repressed and underdeveloped emotional capacity because nobody's ever taught him how to do it. And I think she's appealing to him as a friend and as a potential partner because she is able to help him identify those emotions and bring them out and teach him that they are okay to have. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And also to be fair she would be potentially more aware of it than most certainly on the muggle side and we know fuck all about what the wizarding world has got in terms of social services or as you guys would call it child protective services so but certainly on the muggle side because her parents are dentists they would have a duty of care so she would have at least picked up on it if not been educated on it by her parents
0: she would understand the the severity of things like bars on his windows like ron fred george they see that and they're like oh, okay that's obviously not good bars on the windows that's crap but hermione would understand the 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 depth of that impact
1: mm, and that's not just because of their mutual upbringing
0: exactly basically. yeah I
2: actually read in another fic recently and it's a little tangential, but somebody thinking, being brought up in the wizarding world, that since Harry and Hermione both grew up around muggles, that their childhood and their upbringing were identical in a way. And somebody bringing up that no, um, her parents were dentists. They were really well off. She was an only child. She was very smart and therefore she was probably a treasured child. She may not have been someone who was conceived easily and so her parents probably valued her and to then contrast that with Harry's blessedly Mm. horrible upbringing where he suffered abuse he was treated as little more than a servant I think it's an interesting foil again with Harry and Hermione where she would have all those things available to her she would have the emotional capacity and I think he would be hungry enough emotionally to like, soak that up from her.
1: Yeah, and also, for example, Hermione's parents would have been well off, but nowhere near as much as, say, Justin Finch, Flet- Justin Finch Fletchley, um, which if he managed to get into Eton, his parents are one of the great and good and also have a shed load of money. So it's not only the money, but the influence, because let's face it, before Princess William and Harry, not even the Windsors had the influence to get their sons into to
0: Look, okay, Justin is the less racist version of Malfoy, and they're on the same level of you can't arrest me, my father's a lawyer.
1: Mm, Except they can still get petrified, so.
0: Well, you know, that's just evening the scales.
1: Oh my god, I would love to see Malfoy pet. There's at least one fake I can think of where Malfoy gets petrified, um, which I think is really fun and good payback, actually.
0: I will always show up for any any time someone wants to raz Malfoy. Like he's that that one character I allow myself permission to to, to take pleasure in his suffering.
2: <laughs>
0: Have
1: you actually read him out of the darkness yet?
0: No, that is still on my list. I know i am i am a I'm a horrible host i haven't read all these th- guys lauren has given me a, a legitimately mile-long list of fix to read and i think
1: I- it was not that bad
0: I- you mean me to go back to the messages You like, bombarded me with all these fics i think i've read like three of them
1: i know i'm a fast reader but jesus you must be slow
0: toddler and two other shows i run okay back off
1: <laughs> which i have offered to help out with but that's another story
0: Okay, so go, let's, <laughs> uh, let's, let's jump off this all-you-can-eat character buffet of, uh, of Above Average Joe and go back to second year.
2: <laughs> All right, second year is where things get interesting. So at this point, we get so much interesting like interaction between Harry and Hermione. So let's go ahead and talk about the first one, which is in Diagon Alley, when we kind of set up the whole story in Flourish and Blotts. Mm-hmm. one, that's what one of the cutest interactions era. I've ever seen where she's so thrilled to see him after um, holiday break and like, who doesn't love a good, like, fluffy little feeling session right there
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they were supposed to be um, setting up the whole Ron and Hermione thing when the other two were sort of slightly awkward to see each other because, of course teenagers are always awkward to see their crushes
2: yeah but the thing that always struck me is like I don't feel like teenage girls or at least myself as a teenage girl also wasn't like that affectionate and that excited with anyone that I didn't like and so as someone who originally shipped Harry and Hermione and I'm a fandom old we were discussing this Joe how old of a fan I am um, well,
1: yeah. can I point out I also am, um, except we didn't have Our fan boards were different in the UK Look,
0: okay Ginny and I come from the age where fanfics Were posted on message boards There was an entire
1: yes. Obsession
0: dedicated to you know, Personal HTML layouts
1: Yes Like I said Don't recognize that at all I mean, can I just point out My fanfic Account is older than some of
0: the people on HMS. Yeah, that's not as impressive as, as it used to be.
2: <laughs> okay. But I think that that interaction in Chamber of Secrets truly, like, what teenage girl is going to willingly throw her arms around another guy
0: unless she likes him?
1: Well, yeah, that's right. See the end of year hug.
0: That's true. That comes back to something that we talked about again in our first episode, but. This is why I kind of feel like the origins of of Harry and Hermione as a romantic couple for me actually kind of start in second year because of how easily they're affectionate with one another and how dependent they are on one another. And not necessarily codependent, but the way that Harry and Hermione rely on each other throughout second year really shapes how the rest of their narrative is going to go. Okay. Let's face it, yeah, obviously, yes, she was the only reason he... Made it through a lot of the the obstacle course in, in year one, but Harry kind of got through that on his own, so to speak.
1: Yeah, the only bit he couldn't have done was possibly the logic puzzle.
0: I still
2: can't solve that logic puzzle.
1: <laughs> let's face it, we weren't given enough details, so Look,
2: let's not
0: go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <and> Things <laughs> we're not given <getting> enough details <laughs> on.
1: Well. Where- <laughs> I mean, I know Ron is supposed to be like brilliant at chess or whatever, but there are fix where he gets replaced with, say, Neville and it you can still make it work. So
2: you we'll know talk about replace things that don't have enough detail. If you say it three times and look in the mirror, you're gonna summon envy.
1: That'd be hilarious, actually.
0: Oh, man.
2: That or Castle's looking, say it three times and look in the mirror, and he just gets transported from the... Oh, God.
1: Body. No, 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 no.
0: You guys, <laughs> you should have seen the joke I played on him on Instagram, and if you're not following uh, the Paul of Joseph's Instagram, you should, because there's going to be more content coming that way. I,
1: and also the Harmony and Co Facebook, I think we've got a... We should probably post more, more in there. Yeah, we're, we're definitely
0: going to be more active in there. That's That's my bad. I've kind of tried to avoid Facebook since all of COVID and election stuff, but moving on
2: I've hidden everything. My feed is like exclusively dogs at this point. It's great (laughs) Uh,
0: But yeah, so year two we all know that the key moment, which obviously is Hermione being petrified (laughs) But let's talk about not just the fact that Hermione was smart enough to leave the clue for them, but how She left the clue and how it was found.
1: Yeah, Harry was stroking her hand, which considering how, what a mess is the polite word I will use. Mess his childhood was. Him voluntarily giving her physical affection is huge. Especially boy at 12.
2: As we were saying, like, who is that affectionate at 12 years old?
0: Emotionally, Granted, boy, Hermione
2: after. is 13 at this point, but still,
1: no, Harry's still 12, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he's still 12. She is 13 because she is almost a full year older than everyone else because of her birthday, mm-hmm. which that's a whole situation. And if we want to get into the whole like, girls are more in touch with their emotions than boys are, which is a whole nother podcast, I feel like.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we'll no, we're it. having we're having Ginny back in September, right?
0: Uh spoilers, but yes, we are.
2: <laughs> this is a surprise to me. Great. <laughs> well, no, I was thinking say.
1: I was thinking both, not just one, but we'll leave that as a let's see if uh, our listeners can work out what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh but Gene, to your point, the fact that Harry is so easily physically affectionate with Hermione, despite I mean, obviously being touch starved in his own raising, because let's face it, unless he's being hit, he's not being touched at all.
2: I mean, you go with that reaction to the frying pan, which gets me, I'm a teacher for context and I teach elementary school. So any child reacting like that just like automatically makes me really angry. His reaction to the frying pan is enough to just like inspire rage.
0: Yeah. Honestly, when I read that moment, you know what went through my mind? Completely unrelated to Harry Potter, but has anyone ever seen the movie uh, Kindergarten Cop? No. There's a moment.
1: I have seen parts of it, but I've never seen the full thing. There's a
0: moment in the film where Arnold Schwarzenegger is pretending to be a kindergarten teacher in order to do undercover things, and he sees that one of the kids is being abused. So he walks outside, grabs the kid's dad, and basically says, You hit the kid, I hit you, and just knocks him on his ass. I mean, I think that this
2: also probably indicates that there's a lot more physical affection between the two than we are privy to in the story. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, think about yourself at that age. If you were to, like, brush hands with somebody in the hallway in middle school, like, that was a moment. That was, like, life-defining. And I don't think that changes just because you're in England. So I think that this lends to probably them having a more physical relationship well,
1: age middle school. just remind me
2: um ages like 11 through 13 14
1: right okay so yeah what i would call the first half of secondary school got it
0: and, and and to that point that's something that is consistent throughout the books we see harry and hermione being comfortable with reaching for one another and even again going into movie canon that's something that's shown up every single time and has had a, a tremendous presence in the films
2: you're right let's think about all of that because truly like so even I'm at the, the end of Chamber more of Secrets
1: in the films I think than is in the books
2: no I, I, so this brings up a really good question guys are we regarding the books and the movies as two different sets of canon are we considering them like intertwined works
1: the- I'm considering them both canon. If we're talking talk about another fandom that Ginny is interested in, if we were talking about PJO, Ugh. Percy Jackson the Olympians, books and films would definitely be two separate canon. 13. Whereas with Harry Potter, it's not nearly so bad.
0: Okay, so yeah, I, I, I don't think we, we need to separate or, or get into the, the breakdown of film versus book canon. At least... Oh, we are. That's a whole
1: different episode. A whole episode. different
0: episode. Um, but still, the, the willingness to be physically affectionate with one another is, is boilerplate for Harry and Hermione, whereas with Hermione and Ron, it's always forced. I know it's meant to play as awkward, but it plays more as forced.
1: I also... I can't remember if we've talked about this before but i part of me thinks that half of the reason that there's quite so many draymine fans as there are is because emma watson apparently had a massive crush on tom Felton when she was younger
2: hey you were opening up a can of worms so you may not want to open with me on this podcast but
1: i'm just saying
0: anyway okay so we've established that i, I I think year two is kind of the, the beginning of where any kind of crush or, be, or, or or festering emotions would start.
1: I think a certain cause there's a fic that I can't think of the name of now, where somebody mentions Ginny having a hero complex, having saved her in Chamber of Secrets, and Ginny or somebody else retorted, Well, didn't you you didn't have a crush on Harry after the whole troll thing? At which point Hermione blushes slightly. So I'm just wondering if the seeds are sown in first year, but they don't actually come to fruition until second or third year, maybe.
2: I think that's a great point (laughs) because I think that poor Hermione, in any other circumstance, yeah, she would have ended up with a crush on him because he saved her. But I think at that point, she is so friendship starved that she wouldn't dare to jeopardize anybody like wanting to spend time with her in that way and so she would compartmentalize and shove it down. Oh, like Harry wouldn't? That's a really fair point.
0: Get ready for hardcore comic book knowledge at its finest. Join lifelong comic book fan Above Average Joe for a trip through the wild history and culture of the comic book fandom. So what do you say? Ready to enter the Hall of Justice? Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. Back to what I was saying, I think Hermione would have a a very analytical and cognitive reaction to that sequence of events, whereas Harry would kind of almost automatically shut down any kind of reaction because he doesn't know how to process it
2: and i think that's something that everyone forgets is that harry is not emotionally mature in the least bit and it's because of circumstance and truly that's where i take a lot of issue with most harry and hermione fan fiction. i don't think anyone really captures them their characterization very well because they don't remember the trauma that both of them have gone through. And they tend to just make them like a little too happy go lucky.
0: Well, here's the thing. I think that we all, we all know that, that trauma will quote unquote mature someone kind of quicker because of circumstance. I, I think that Harry comes out of year one going into year two, three, so on kind of fertile ground. Now that he has life experiences outside of being locked in a closet But unfortunately i think that also opened him up for more trauma and i don't think that was explored enough we we got into it a little bit in fifth year but then we regressed but let's let's keep going let's talk about third year which is really where a lot of harmony starts
2: oh let's talk about it if we're gonna talk about movie canon let's talk about how harry has zero like emotional context for Hermione hugging Ron and it's just like the best third wheel in the whole game, in the movie. That's like one of my favourite awkward things.
1: Yeah, and, oh, were you talking about when Remus is doing the thing? Oh. No, Buckbeak.
2: And Hermione oh, yeah. just like glomps on Ron. And Harry's just like, I'm here too, let's make a cuddle puddle.
1: The thing is, I could see Harry doing that because like we said, he's got no no real but that experience again, physical
0: effect that that ties to his lack of experience emotionally and and not knowing social cues but i also think that the whole ron glomp thing was just not sold well
2: Mm-mm. yeah i mean
1: that as far is as our...
2: like the only um, instance of them acting like actual teenagers would in the um, care of magical creatures class when Hermione like, jumps on Ron's arm and he's just like, oh, what? Well, yeah,
1: I was thinking of the, I wasn't thinking of that one. I was thinking of there's one later, I think, when sometime around the Whomping Willow and that whole thing towards the end of the year, and um, you've got the three of them and you've got Hermione hugging Ron and then you've got Harry sort of around the end sort of hugging them both.
0: That's um, what we're talking about with
1: we're B. talking about? Oh, I thought you were talking about earlier in the year. Because there's this scene where you've got everybody backing away from Buckbeat. Yeah,
0: no, no, yeah, we're talking about... When that's Buck the Buck awkward up.
2: handhold thing. But yeah. in terms of Harry, he has no emotional is- context for not third-wheeling. And I think at that point, he probably sees Hermione as more of an emotional anchor than anything else. I would agree. And I think that's probably where we get more definitive seeds because to be honest 13 year old boys are absolutely terrible at anything relating to emotions let's be real
1: and to be fair there's probably a certain amount also that's also probably a certain amount of where the like a sister thing comes from because he wouldn't be able be able to tell the difference between romantic emotional anchor and sibling emotional anchor if that makes sense yeah
0: harry would almost be over over attaching to to things and not being able to delineate the actual emotional threads involved but let's obviously talk about that the end of the year adventure the whole time turner thing this is where a lot of core harmony stems from i know right let's
2: do so i think it's super interesting that he, without question, is like, Hermione has some time device, Hermione wants to do this, okay, we're going to do what Hermione said. And that's because of his innate trust in her, which I think is a real foundational thing for them. I don't think that you can really start talking about them in couple terms until fourth or fifth year, because Harry's trying to do so much of that emotional um, legwork to just catch yeah, up.
1: I- also, it's a combination of, as much as I hate to say, it, I think that it's Hermione, but also backed up by Dumbledore.
2: Yeah, but I don't. Does Harry have the blind faith in Dumbledore at that
0: point? At that point, I, I think at that 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 point, that is probably where Harry's blind faith in Dumbledore is at its highest, because of his own lack of emotional understanding.
2: That's fair.
0: Um, but but that I think. That, Hermione is is already
1: seen Dumbledore as a sort of grandfather type figure. I'm sorry? I do still think he sees Dumbledore as some sort of grandfather type figure.
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: Only towards the end of third year and fourth year that it starts going down the drain. With the whole, one, Sirius, and two, also, the whole Goblet of Fire clusterfuck.
0: But but going back to to Ginny's point, I think that while you're correct i don't think that the emotional maturity is there for a couple in third year i do think that's where emotions would start to shift from we're friends to
2: anything else
0: anything else i i think if there's going to be a moment that's gonna that that is where everything starts and leads up to you know harry noticing her minding when she comes down the stairs which and
2: i think so i think some of that is Truly, second year Harry had to do the thing on his own, mm-hmm. and so that is first year it was a combined effort, second year it's totally on his own, third year he can't have done the thing without Hermione. Ron is almost ancillary at this point because he's laid up in the hospital wing, and his main contribution is owning scabbers, let's mm-hmm. be quite honest. But at this point, it's Harry and Hermione have to rely on each other in order to be, not in order to be, but, like, in order to have this event happen and to get through it. So they are emotionally reliant on each other during what is a hugely, a hugely, um, like, tumultuous point in Harry's life, finding out, Mm -hmm. this is my godfather, this is what I thought happened, this is what truly happened. And any emotional events like that are going to tie two people together, especially at that age. Mm -hmm. If you think about anything traumatic that happened to you at like 13 or 14, whoever is there with you during that point, you probably still somewhat keep up with, even at this point where we're all like 30 something or close
0: to 30 something. And this is where Harry's sense of identity really begins to shift because his core understanding of who he is just gets turned up on on its head. And Hermione's the one that sees him through that.
2: And therefore Hermione becomes entirely tied to him, his sense of self. And he wouldn't know how to be who he is without her there. She is tied to some of the most formative events in his life.
1: But also what people forget about the whole second year thing is Harry pretty much only cares because Ginny is Ron's sister, not for and there's a certain, amount, certain element of his hero complex, but it's primarily because Ginny is Ron's sister that he actually gives a shit. Mm, I,
0: I think that...
1: Okay, a mixture of hero complex and Ginny is Ron's sister. I,
0: I don't necessarily think it's it's hero complex in the negative sense, because everyone kind of innately expects Harry to do these things. So that's, again, him searching for identity. He's playing a role at that point and he's not actually Harry. He's being the version of Harry that everyone expects him to be. And and
1: continues playing right up until year seven.
2: Yeah, but you have to also understand that in Harry's hero spiral in book two, if that's what we want to call it, Hermione is totally like, out of the picture at that point. She is petrified. He is spiraling because at this point, you know, somebody who's incredibly important to his identity and his sense of self isn't there. And so I think going back to the third year, it's cemented that Hermione is a huge part of who Harry is. And going through those really life defining experiences during third year kind of cement that bond more. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that's even where the rift in Goblet of Fire comes in between Harry and Ron. That doesn't exist between Harry and Hermione because they've already done something life altering together, such as finding out that everything they thought about the potter's death was untrue while Ron was still kind of like in and out of consciousness, moaning in the background about his broken leg or in the hospital wing, not contributing to the ultimate.
1: Yes, but there is also a a certain amount of jealousy, I think. But we'll come back to that in a minute because my dinner's ready.
0: Red Leader here with a message that is vital to the survival of the Rebellion. Don't forget to check out the all-new Star Wars dedicated show from Hall of Justice, Falcon Crazy. Remember, it's not wise to upset a (laughs)
1: Wookiee.
0: Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, HallOfJustice.com. May the Force be with you.
1: Going back to what we were saying about Ron and the whole fourth year thing, I think what people forget is Ron takes his family for granted because he's always had them and they've always been there. And he doesn't value them the same way that Harry does. And he forgets that Harry would give up all of the gold in his vault at
0: Gringotts to have his family I, I, I don't want to get bogged down talking about the myriad of character flaws in, in Ronald Weasley, uh, but I, I do want to talk about fourth year because this is where we enter a real shift in Harry and Hermione's dynamic. This is where they're both reaching an age of emotional maturity where we can start seeing attachments form and not just be, oh, they're kids who've gone through some, sh- some shit. I definitely think this is where, if there's going to be an actual shift in their dynamic from friends to eventual lovers, this is the this is where the fuse is lit. Because again, they're, they're this is where they're starting to develop and starting to change mindsets. And I want to I want to shift to Jenny here because you have a massive amount of research put into this. <laughs>
2: You're overstating it, but (laughs) that's hilarious. No, Joe's referring to the fact that I own my very first personal copy of Goblet of Fire in four pieces. It was a paperback. And as a child, I think I was maybe nine. So this is highly embarrassing. I went through and I underlined what I considered to be Harry and Hermione evidence in my copy of Goblet of Fire because I was convinced they were going to get together. So when we start talking about Goblet of Fire, I think the first thing to really discuss is the amount of trust that they have in each other starting in this book. Because if you get into the Triwizard Tournament and Harry's name coming out of the goblet, Hermione has absolute trust in that Harry did not put his name in. That's not what happened. And... There's just as much reason for Hermione to be jealous as there is for Ron, I feel, because Hermione is lauded as the brightest witch of their age. She's so capable of everything, top of their class. If there was going to be a fourth year that could be on par with the 17, 18 year olds, I think it would have been Hermione.
0: Mm -hmm. But I also think the reason that we didn't see that storyline kind of play out is the fact that, again, Hermione has a a cognitive response to the situation whereas Ron is purely emotional not just Ron but everybody else is purely emotional Hermione would know flat out that Harry did not put his name in that cup
2: and I think that speaks to their relationship yeah
1: I mean he thought it was a bright idea originally and then sort of was just like actually no I just want to watch which I think is actually canon um but also, going back to something, I can't remember whether it was something you, Joe, were saying before, or maybe it was Envy in the a episode, but Hermione would have the knowledge, but she may not necessarily be able to put it into practice the same way the 17, 18-year-olds would. So she might know the spells, but she might not necessarily be able to perform them.
0: Well, again, that that kind of speaks to the difference between Harry and Hermione, whereas it's to use a cliche term, it's the book smart versus street smart. And I, I think that that's where we start to see their, their strengths and weaknesses start to complement one another because Hermione at that age is very by the book way of, way of thinking and she's not really improvisational, whereas Harry literally just flies by the seat of his pants.
1: Where do you come, where does the whole Rita Skeeter blackmail thing come then?
2: Let me pull out
0: my Oh, here we go. Several.
2: So, let's see. Rita Skeeter first shows up in chapter 18 of Goblet of Fire, which is the weighing of the wands. And in this point, let's see. Oh, yeah, that's are... where you
1: get the really shitty article. Yeah.
2: yeah, and it actually like has Hermione with the toast moment that you guys are talking about is in this chapter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So just for anyone who needs a reminder that she meets Harry at the portrait hole the day after his name comes out of the goblet of fire and she's got a stack of toast for him just knowing that hey you know things might not really be where you want to go be around people I'm giving you an act which is a great thing to do and she gives him which is true um but Looking here, the quote specifically is really interesting. Um, and it says, Harry told Hermione exactly what had happened after he had left the Gryffindor table the night before. To his immense relief, Hermione accepted his story without question. And so that goes back to the trust between the two and their, like, insistence on, you are somebody that I will immediately believe. Um, And she's extremely patient. She's um, in here just talking about, you know, I understand what your feelings are. Your feelings are valid. And it's here that she brings up writing to Sirius as well. And I think that goes to talk about how well Hermione understands Harry and his needs and can help him and be a partner more than just like a friend or an interest. And I think that's what's Mm -hmm. always interesting about Harry and Hermione is that they function well on a partner level. And Joe, I know you're married too. So Mm -hmm. you can speak to this as well as I can. Partnership is like the key to a long lasting relationship with somebody.
0: Absolutely. And I I definitely tying into this, I, I think that the reason Hermione is so implicitly trusting of Harry is again, coming out of year three, they are battle tested at that point and she's 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 seen how these circumstances always tend to envelop harry largely outside of his own intent the only the only time he was really intent on doing something was year one year two circumstances pulled him in year three
1: department of mysteries
0: but this is again another example of those times where Hermione is almost innately aware that the circumstances of Harry's life are not, not fully in his control. And that's, that's the, the gap between her and Ron that develops here is that Ron has, gone, is, has lived his life being fully in control, quote unquote, and doesn't understand the, the, the lack of ability to affect your circumstance. And that, that, again, ties into why Hermione is inherently trusting of Harry in the situation and serves as his emotional and, and moral guidepost kind of from here on is because they have that battle bond. They have that, that sense of camaraderie that only develops through going through something together. Because at this point, Ron has not been involved to, at, at, the, at the peak of end of year adventures.
1: Yeah, I was going to say he was, to be fair, he was involved halfway through first year, all the way through second year, and then I would have said halfway through third year.
0: True. But let's, again, we're, we're getting off topic. I don't want to spend all my day talking about Ron Weasley. I want to talk about the Goblet of Fire, obviously, and there's something that I don't think is captured well enough, both in canon and in a lot of fanfics, which is, Hermione's emotional state during the tournament
2: I've just been um, quickly rereading the second task scene at the end and man it's super interesting in here because of Harry's like insistence that he's going to rescue Hermione from um, the Black Lake and just like no I'm not leaving her and he doesn't go anywhere until he sees Crum go and get her because he's concerned about her as well and then going in here going keeping keep going just we can bring up the movie scene in there because that's super cute at the end of the second time
1: Yeah, I was gonna say there's also the massive hug at the end
2: which is not in the book I'm looking at it right now um Harry is wrapped in a blanket and Hermione just says like well done you did it you did it And then crumples Rita Skeeter out of Hermione's hair. But there's no hug in there. Mm -hmm. But I think that was a really cute movie moment.
1: But how much of that is down to the directors? Because I know, I swear, Joe and I have discussed before, the fact that Chris Columbus, Alfonso Cuaron, and David Yates, I think, Mm -hmm. did four and five put those moments in there and suddenly went because jkr i think was still writing at that point and was possibly still considering killing rod off so harmony was still quite possibly a thing um sorry i've just spotted something
2: all right do we want to talk about the article from Rita skeeter um harry potter's secret heartache if we're going to talk about book four where there's the whole article about how Harry and Hermione are lovers, and they're fourteen. Called a Scarlet Woman, yada yada, and plus
1: the whole Molly Weasley thing. Oh
2: God, don't get me started. No mom should be that vicious to somebody, but goodness.
0: Okay, we're 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 straying a bit again because I, I I know it's very organic for us to talk about how crappy the. Most prominent Weasley's are in this in this year, but yes, to your point that that article, I think as as horrible as it is, that is one of the best moments of everyone else can see it. Why can't they? Because despite it being a large work of fiction, it's still based in truth. I mean, even to the point where Crumb is pointing it out and 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 basically browbeating an answer out of Harry. Because he can see what's there That's something that I think Continues again throughout the books is Everyone kind of innately is watching them going Come on Yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah I mean to be fair There is also a certain amount of They're the hero and heroine So why not But also There's also the um, Harry Met Sally thing of Men and women Can't be friends which is bollocks but, um, but also there's a. There was something. There was another point I was going to make, and I can't
2: remember All what right. it was. Let's see. Okay, I'm pulled open right now to the mule Ball. Do we want to talk about that? Where Ron's just like, "Oh, well spotted," she's a girl, and then Harry is just like, floating along, and then she walks in, and he's just like. <gasps> But she's a, she actually
0: no. a girl. Yeah, that's, I, I definitely think that is probably the most organic reaction.
2: Every girl needs this Cinderella moment. And I think this is probably what ended up giving her a sense of confidence. And I don't think she would have had the sense of confidence without it. She's always been book smart, but she's never been super pretty. But we get a surprising amount of um commentary on Hermione during the Yule Ball scene, which is interesting. Because yeah, again,
1: I think this is still when to <laughs> JKR was considering killing off. I
2: think. I wouldn't have minded. It's okay. Perhaps that's a little mean, but I don't think I would have minded. But let's see
1: if it was pre third year I would have minded if it was post fourth year then I wouldn't
2: I think this is where the crucifixion of Ron's character starts to happen and
1: I mean there's a certain amount of excuses because he's a teenage boy but that can only go so far yeah
2: teenage boys are teenage boys but at the same time like you've got the juxtaposition of Harry is a teenage boy and he's not nearly as stupid.
1: Yeah, but also Harry has gone through a lot of shit. So he is in some ways more emotionally mature and in some ways a lot less emotionally mature than Ron is.
2: True. And we consider that at this point Hermione's 15. And so she 100% would to discovered boys and everything like that. So I guess...
1: But also you've got to bear in mind that Chrome is 17, 18, which is also slightly squeaky, actually. Not
2: really. If she's like 15, 16.
1: Yeah, okay. If I consider as someone it, who... Just fine When you get to 18, then it gets slightly dodgy, I think.
2: a Slightly dodgy, but I say this as somebody who was 16 and was, for lack of a better word, dating somebody who was 17 or 18. He was two years older than I was. And if you consider American high schools, I was a sophomore, he was a senior, like that was less of an issue. And I think that's more of how it would be. But we consider that Hermione is older, which is fine. But Ron is significantly emotionally stunted at that point. And I think He's just yeah, jumpy. Yeah,
1: some of it is down to Molly. <laughs> yeah.
2: And he's more of, he treats it more of like a child whose toy, who's toy that he had tossed aside like months and months ago, like their younger sibling starts playing with it. And so uh-huh. all of a sudden he gets really possessive about said toy, which is a shame. My name's toy. Yeah. I
1: mean, to be fair, my thing with Harry and versus Ron later is. Harry just wants her to be happy and he doesn't care if it's with him or with somebody else
2: and I think that's probably the healthiest thing in the whole like situation oh there comes the Joe. and so th- I think that's the whole situation is that Ron tosses her aside like a toy and is only jealous when somebody like tries to take it away whereas Harry's a lot more equitable and this is the first point at the Yule Paul when he sees her and is like oh my god but that's a girl and I think that changes things slightly for him but at the same time it doesn't and that's the beautiful
0: thing about it yeah I I think it changes his thought process and doesn't necessarily change the way his interactions are shaped now let's let's get into to fifth year because let's do it (laughs) I want to spend some time here i admittedly i'm gonna we're gonna skip over sixth year because you know the less time we spend on half-baked plot the better but let's talk about let's talk about fifth year here and and hermione is the star of a fifth year for me anyway
2: like the queen well, between here. the da and the department of mysteries all right let's take a second and talk about something kind of interesting here this is something i brought up to the two of you when we were doing prep beforehand that i don't know if y'all had considered when I was thinking about coming on this podcast and what to talk about, this was something that really like struck my mind. And it was the piece of advice that Hermione gave to Jenny about her crush on Harry. And it was to go and like be yourself, spend time with other people, show them how awesome you are kind of deal. And then he'll notice like, you as a person and I had the consideration did Hermione take her own advice is that advice she had heard a while ago in regards to Harry and that was why she was able to be good friends with him she's very nonchalant about a lot of the perhaps from her mom but she's very nonchalant about a lot of the romance things and she's able to be more objective almost in like the stereotypical oh I'm a cool girl way
0: Mm -hmm. I I definitely think that it's a a complex emotional beat for Hermione, because I think she probably takes her own advice up to a point. And I think that's kind of where some of her innate insecurities maybe backpedaled her a bit.
2: I think you're right, because what girl isn't insecure at that age?
0: True. But also Hermione, who has been ridiculed at this point, probably the largest part of her life for being the insufferable know-it-all feels probably gated in her ability to fully be herself and that is kind of hampering to her
2: i think you're right to be fair at this point we have to consider that hermione has more romantic experience than anyone else she has like done things with crumbs not to like bring that into a weird regard
1: but we don't know
2: By that I mean like she's been in a relationship with somebody she's gone on dates she's like been in that courting process and whether or not they've like officially broken up
0: well okay regardless of the extent she still has had more experience in romantic efforts than anybody else really at that point with the exception of you know Fred and George who are obviously older
2: So at that point, she becomes the de facto advice person, which is yeah. very typical at that age.
1: And or maybe I, actually Oliver would, depending on whether or not Harry's still in contact with him. Well,
2: yeah. That, Does that, that, Wood have anything on his brain besides Quidditch? Because I don't think so.
1: I always thought part of the reason he was so obsessed with Quidditch was Katie Bell, but that's just me.
0: Yeah. Anyway.
1: I just think that's a really cute ship. I got used it introduced to it through Sumer, I think it was, originally. And then later I read a good fix that made
2: me think, oh Harry doesn't have that close of a relationship with Wood. Wood is literally just a like Quidditch mentor yeah. to him. So I don't yeah. think we would have we could say that Wood would be there for advice of any sort that's not on the Quidditch field.
1: i like i like the thought of the quidditch team bonding outside of matches but that's just me
0: okay this goes into something that we mentioned in in a previous episode but yeah so um we have hermione serving as kind of the female relationship mentor I, I think that again, Harry would probably would probably seek counsel from from Fred or George.
2: Would he seek counsel from Fred or George, or would he go with um, canonical ladies' man Sirius Black?
0: The only reason I don't think he would he would go to Sirius Black is,
1: piss taking.
0: One, but also just sheer proximity. I think I think that because of. The circumstance they're in and, and just proximity to Fred and George and their own ladies man vibes I, I think because they are within quote-unquote arm's reach he's gonna go to them instead of reaching out to Sirius also I think there's probably a, a moment of I don't want to compromise Sirius's safety for a simple question about girls
2: that's fair but at this point like he's living in the order's headquarters so I don't think there's much of a risk
0: True, but also I think that's going to be a, a dividing line for Harry. I don't think he's going to want to risk serious for that.
1: But also, depending on, when you're looking, depending on when you're looking at, you could also count Percy potentially if he thinks Fred and George are going to take the piss too much.
0: I think Fred and George would give him a bit of a ribbing and then be serious. But Jenny, you were saying...
2: Um, So let's go ahead and talk about the DA because I think this is a great example of the strength of Harry and Hermione's relationship and how much trust she has in him and how much she believes in him and encourages him to do things that he wouldn't necessarily think of to do himself. Mm -hmm. Which is, again, you know, as someone who's 27, married, and has been with the same person since she was 18, um, talking about actual long-term bonds this is a great example of why Harry and Hermione would be great partners because they are always building each other up in those ways while Hermione is the one who's just like the brains behind the operation she's also carefully feeding this information like you would do really well with this why haven't you thought of it this way and continually like brings up his own strengths to him to make things a little bit more obvious to him where he can step up
0: yeah and i think that's because harry and hermione have a much more nuanced sense of communication than harry has with pretty much anybody else
2: oh i would totally agree and if we go back to that it's probably because she is the only one who didn't leave him per se during the Tri-Wizard Tournament and so they had months where they were just communicating together they were the only ones who were really talking to each other and I think that's something that got glossed over in the books but was probably huge especially at that age to have that long of a time to bond and that like, kind of situation would have massively affected the way the two interact with each other
0: well, and that's that's true kind of going forward. Hermione is the one that doesn't leave him. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's gonna be tremendously important important to Harry, who obviously has abandonment issues.
2: Does he ever? And this whole book is a true like trauma response in children, if we're gonna get into that psychologically. When children go through a traumatic experience. Something that they will do is they will test the bounds of who is there for Mm them and who continues to be there for them. And they will take it out on the people who stay because they're trying to test them to say, if I do this, will you still love me? And I think that's almost exactly what's happening to Harry in all of Order of Phoenix. And without knowing it, Hermione is there proving again and again, I'm not going to leave you. This is, I hear here. I'm fighting for this with you.
0: I'm not going to leave your side.
1: But so are Neville and Luna, they're just different. Well,
0: again, I think the reason that Neville and Luna aren't more yeah. prominent is because of, again, their their lack of use in the story at that point. But we can spend all the time in the world talking about how I think Neville is superior to Ron. Okay, so obviously we know that Hermione's kind of the the, the pillar in the, in the DA and is the one really kind of helping Harry transition roles. <laughs>
1: books and learning and stuff of
0: course i'm, on these I, I'm not, not just about sheer content but also she is the one she's trying Harry become more than what he is or has been to date
2: she's the back if harry is the face of the organization she's the ceo behind the scenes making it run
0: yeah mm. but let's talk about the battle of the ministry because this is where shit hits the fan <laughs> for them
2: <laughs> yeah so the first thing I think we would probably want to talk about is Hermione spitting yarns for Umbridge for Harry I think that's where we kind of have to start and the fact that she so willingly is essentially blind in the situation because nobody else has seen what Harry has seen they're all just going off of his word and she is 100% the one who believes him the most she may not be sure but she's gonna step up and support him. And she's gonna turn from rule breaker, or not rule breaker, but someone who lived and died by the rules by rules exist. But if they're stupid, then I don't have to follow them.
0: Exactly. I think this is where Hermione as the moral center of the group really starts to form.
2: I think you're right because- If
1: you compare it to first year, that's a shitload of growth.
0: True.
2: It is, and you consider that Hermione's gone from, like, what, 11, 12 to 16 at this point. It's not surprising that her moral compass has gotten stronger. Mm -hmm. But she's the one that steps up and, like, helps with the diversion. She's not sure and asks him, are you sure? But then blindly supports him and says, okay, fine, we'll go. Let's do the thing. If you say, then we'll do.
0: And I think that's important to point out for Hermione is that this is a woman who is, who lives and dies by facts. And for her to take Harry's word at face value, yes, she's been there and seen some of it, but not the most important stuff. And she is willing to cast aside every single doubt because Harry said, this is what happened.
2: And that's the innate trust. And I think, again, that's probably bringing a lot from those mu- the month or two that they had in Goblet of Fire where they were all each other had.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that got glossed over and it probably shouldn't have.
1: Yeah, but Joe and I have had various discussions, most of them not on the podcast because it will take too long, about how it, how JKR is good at a yarn but not very good at character development.
0: It's fair. Yeah, I think you're right. We can... Spend all, all the time in the world talking about her particular approach to narrative building. All right. As I said, we're going to leap over sixth year because there's like nothing good to talk about there, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Do we want to talk really quickly, though, about the support that they give each other in the bird
0: scene? Begrudgingly. I still but
2: think that's I a think,
1: really good leaping off, leaping off point for Harmony.
2: I
0: think that's an important
2: thing, too. If you consider like, if you ask me, I think that they needed. They would if they were going to get together. I don't know if it would be during the books. I think it would be after the Battle of Hogwarts.
0: Mm. We'll we'll get into that once we get into seventh year. I'll, I'll give you the bird scene only because it did. It does hit the right chords for me when it comes to my love of hurt comfort fix.
2: It does, and I think then we're going to also talk about the end of Half Blood Prince and going back to Harry and Hermione's relationship where Hermione has an utmost sense of trust in Harry, where she goes and says we're coming with you. Whatever happens, we are here with you. And she's the only one who actually um, follows through on that.
0: Which brings yeah, us seven. to
2: <laughs> Book 7! Seven, seven. The book that I thought was fan fiction when I first read it.
1: Yeah, but also you've got to bear in mind Ginny's stupid ass comment at the end of book six as well not mine not yours <laughs> but, um the character Ginny, but you're not happy unless you're hunting voldemort bollocks have I mean, never been
0: happy about anything involving voldemort
1: <laughs> true i think he wants to get revenge for his parents but then once he's gone he's not gonna want to hunt any other dark wizard
2: let's but- controversial opinion i think she was right but i don't think she phrased it correctly I think he is happy unless he is doing something to bring justice.
0: I wouldn't say it was so far as happy. I would say it he doesn't know what to do outside of it
2: because so much of his identity is tied up in hunting Voldemort at this point.
0: Yeah. Which is why I think your point about them getting together post-war would make sense because at that time, this is the first time that Harry is truly free. But I want to talk about book seven because this is where all there's a lot of fertile ground, or Harmony fanfic. This is, I mean, obviously, we, we can talk about it to the Forest Dean until I'm blue in the face.
2: Y'all, if you haven't read tory's pick, you have to. That is actually like what brought me back into the Harmony fandom and the reason I'm on Discord in the first place. It's yeah. really well written, it's really like well developed, and the characterizations are on point.
0: Very true.
1: I mean, to be fair, as I disclosed in that episode and probably previous episodes and i will disclose now i cannot read dark or angst or any of that kind of shit because it my mental health is not good enough anyway let alone reading that shit so as much as i love tori dearly and i do or anybody else that I know that writes angst tricks, whether it's who or Mario or anybody else, I ain't reading that shit. I'm sorry. Love you dearly, but no.
0: Okay. but let's So let's go back to Battle of Ho- or Seventh Year, and I, I want to spend less time about the actual events because they're, well, painfully obvious, but I want to talk about certain tropes that have evolved in Fanon regarding... Harmony and...
1: Bill and Fleur's wedding, which was one that we forgot to mention earlier. Which
0: one?
1: Bill and Fleur's wedding.
2: Yeah, so let's talk about how um, we lock eyes with Hermione instead of Jenny. During the ceremony, like, what?
1: But you're so pretty, I don't know why he wouldn't lock eyes with you.
2: So, I think one thing that we have to talk about again is Hermione's continued trust. And with that continued trust, she gives up everything mm-hmm. for him.
1: But the thing is, no real relationship is worth anything without trust. Trust should be the first and foremost, yeah. at least in my opinion.
0: And you're not wrong. But uh, t- to Jenny's point here, look at the contrast between Hermione's sacrifice and, and Ron's complaint. Hermione literally cuts ties with everything that she knows. She essentially sacrifices a good chunk, a good chunk, and a, a, a chance at her identity, whereas Ron complains because there's not enough food for dinner. And that's where again, I, I'm, I don't, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I definitely think the the moment at Bill and Fleur's wedding is painfully obvious. Again, there's so many moments in Book Seven, whether it's film, whether it's whether it's novel, whether it's fan fiction, that are blatantly obvious because it is such fertile ground.
1: <laughs> oh, children.
0: <coughs> okay, now because of that, we're going to get into a couple of the tropes here that I think are, I won't say overused, but I will say misused a lot in Year 7 fanfiction. One, there is a lot of quote-unquote tent sex storylines.
1: Yeah, that seems to be a particular favorite of the Harmony Discord.
0: Which,
2: I get it, but I I don't
0: Get it, you know there are a few films where I think it makes sense Tori's being one of them because they're playing at a much higher emotional game I Agreed. think it's so popular because it's the first time you've got Hermione and Harry who are at this point now sexually mature in close proximity without being supervised
2: it's the whole like and there was only one bed situation yeah but there was only one tent but If you consider characterization, I think this is completely out of character for both of them. Unless something like in the Forest of Dean, Tori's fic happens where they are emotionally available. But I don't think in canon, they're emotionally available enough to make it happen.
0: The only time it really rings true for me in... Year Seven pick, including Tori's, is when they're at an emotional fever pitch. Slight spoilers, but there's a moment in Tori's pick where Harry and Hermione are basically fighting about whether or not someone will one will leave the other to save their own life, and that is a moment that really earned the the, the tense sex that unfolded because of the emotional height they were at and it, the, the sense of yearning and and.
2: But Tori had done the work to build up to it in a way that makes
1: sense. When doesn't she though? She's
2: brilliant.
0: Like Tori,
2: when you hear this, take the damn compliment. You don't do it enough. She never does. To be fair,
0: Tori did put a lot, and, and this is again kind of what's necessary to sell those moments is you've got to put them in emotionally gripping circumstances where it's this kind of all-consuming need for one another and not just, hey, no one's looking, we're in the tent, let's bone.
2: Because that's not true to either of their characters.
0: That's not true to either character, but that's not true to relationship. I mean, even, yes, you can't have passion and lust for someone, but it's you're not playing at the same level. It's a it, it's big difference for me to look at my wife and go, hey, the kid's asleep, because we're not in a tense situation where our lives are at stake the lives of others are at stake and we don't know what the hell we're doing.
2: I mean, if, and just like this could be a little bit more of a, like discussion, but think about the emotional hard times that you've been through with your wife. Mm-hmm. Like maybe somebody in your family passing away, those tend to be more emotionally charged and therefore like needing to get some kind of emotion out. Yes, but it's not just like I looked at you as I sat next to somebody and been like, "Yes, let's bone."
0: Yeah, there's. It's not how it
2: happens. It has to be
0: established. There's a need for catharsis that must be satisfied in order to sell those moments,
2: and it doesn't exist in canon. As someone who even who enjoys it, it doesn't exist in canon.
0: Now, the one thing I want to I want to get to, and this is kind of a related trope to to sex, and it's something I see a lot in year seven fiction. Ex- explicitly,
1: I hate.
0: I'm gonna do it. It's no. Hermione being pregnant during the Battle of Hogwarts.
1: I
2: don't like it. I. I hate it. No. If it was done right, I could see it working. Would give like that emotional gravitas to the situation, but I just I don't think characterizations would work out most of the time.
0: Here's the thing: the only way to sell it is to have her find out after the fact. Trying to sell it in the middle of it of everything doesn't work. It gets lost in it gets lost in the minutia of all, of all the storytelling there. It takes you out also, of
1: the whole. We'll go with you. Before she's pregnant, let alone after.
0: Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like you, you can't combine. I
1: hate this so much. I don't want to have this discussion. You can't- I, I
0: feel like
2: it could work in instances. It really giving a good parallel to Lily for Harry. Like to think that he's walking into the forest of De- into the forest to um, save the life of his unborn child, but generally. I don't
0: like it. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people want to use it in conjunction with the I'll go with you statement, and it doesn't work. No.
1: There is no way that Hermione would knowingly endanger her child, especially if it's
0: Harry. That's the point. That's the point I'm getting at. Like, If you're going to use the Hermione is pregnant during the Battle of Hogwarts thing, two things have got to happen. Either you lose the I'll go with you moment, or Neither one of them know. Yeah. And that's where we start getting into, like, tragedy fix, which are not a big thing of mine, but...
1: Oh, no. Oh, I hate them so much.
0: I have a love-hate relationship with them. Again, it all comes down to execution. Like, if you're gonna hurt me, do it right.
1: (laughs) No, I just don't want to be hurt. I have enough of that in real life. I do not want that in my fix. I'm sorry. Fuck that.
2: Um, I I don't love the idea of Hermione pregnant during the Battle of Hogwarts. I think in very few situations it can work but i don't like that
1: (laughs) what i prefer and i don't see enough of is harry and hermione being teddy's godparents and then raising him after the battle of hogwarts
0: i have i I have mentioned this fic in just about every single episode i love it it's it follows that path i it's disappeared i cannot find it but again if anybody has a copy of this fic or knows where it's hiding now, reach out to me, I want to know where it is. It's called A Will and Away. And it takes place about six months after the fall of Voldemort. It is It is Harry and Hermione raising Teddy.
1: You have read Meet the Godparents by App. I,
0: I have read that and that one hits along the same notes, but A Will and Away, I cannot remember who it's by. But if, if anybody can find this fic, please reach out. We will feature it in an episode. I don't care. It is the best example of them raising Teddy that I've found.
1: I have to say, meeting the godparents is pretty darn good.
0: It is. But I'm, I'm look, this is a hill I'm gonna die on, okay?
1: <laughs> I've not read a will and a way, so I think that would should be
2: with this like tropey discussion. Should we bring up the can we just grow old together and the tent dance that was added in to oh. Definitely how is Part One?
0: I will live and die. My like she's to gonna die. Music episode, haven't you?
1: Pardon? You have listened to our music episode, haven't you?
2: I think so. I listen to some of them while I get lesson plans done because I enjoy you two chattering in the background. So sometimes I'm not all the way tuned in. Aww. Yeah, well,
1: there's. particular song that I mentioned for that particular thing, there's a British singer-songwriter called Tom O'Dell Mm -hmm. and he did a song called Grow Old With Me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that for me just absolutely fits the whole can we just stay here
2: Regardless I think this brings up like a really good point about them being partners and Thinking, you know, you could be enough. And I think in that moment, it's an escapist idea. But I think if we circle back to the idea of when, them getting together after the war, which I think is a much more likely yeah, concept, yeah, then you consider, yeah, they're going to try with jenny and with Ron. And I think that you can't discount that because I think that would be important growth for them as characters. And I think that what it would come back to is I don't have that connection with that other person like I do with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's going to be shared trauma.
1: Have you ever read Lunch at Maxine's by App Aiden?
2: I have not.
1: Okay, I'm sending you that link, unless Joe does. Uh Go ahead.
0: But no, to Ginny's point, I I agree. I think post-war is, well, it's not my ideal get-together for them. Um, I think it is probably one of the best ways to execute it because of their journey to date. And again, I think...
1: I agree with Ginny. I think they would at least want to try, but I do think they would ultimately fail because neither... Ginny nor Ron has been through all of the shit that the pair of them have.
0: Yeah, I think there's a life experience variance there. I also I don't want to go into a tangent about how much I dislike Ron as a character. All right.
1: Ron has his usefulness as long as it's pre-fourth year.
0: I'm, I'm walking away. I'm walking away. I'm, I'm being good. I'm not going to go down this path, no matter how much All
2: right, so let's Circle back to Harry and Hermione getting together after the battle. I think that the shared experience of being in the forest of Dean together and doing the Horcrux hunt without anybody else but each other, they would have an emotional connection that they cannot find with anybody else because yeah. of shared traumatic experience.
0: I, and def- I think. So go ahead.
2: Sorry. Um, I think that between the two of them there's probably a lot more that happened emotionally while they were on the Horcrux hunt than is on the page because I imagine nightmares fears discussions they probably know each other on a deeper level because of that than they would know anybody else and I think that they're going to try because with the other people because I think that you know, this is what we wanted before all of this happened. And we owe it to ourselves to try to be those people. But I don't think it can come.
1: I still think that Harry wouldn't have the emotional maturity to realize the difference between romantic cornerstone versus sibling cornerstone. And I also think Hermione logically wouldn't be prepared to risk that relationship. For a romantic love that she's not entirely
0: sure will work out. Here's the thing: I think Harry's going to emerge post-war much. He's going to ha- he's going to have a quantum surge in emotional maturity throughout seventh year because he's living in almost a, a a pressure cooker. He's going to grow by leaps and bounds, almost exponentially. And then there's the whole sacrifice and return. That's going to offer him a certain perspective that even Hermione doesn't have. So when it comes to them trying with ron or jenny i think it's gonna it's it's really gonna be more hermione trying with ron and i think it, it's gonna be more likely that you're, you would see harry basically tell jenny look i can't i think that's
2: fair i just think that they would on some level want to return to normalcy but then realize that they can't without each other.
0: That's and that's why I think Harry would be more apt to recognize that he can't whereas Hermione almost in that kind of innate need to get her life back would be trying to grapple onto that sense of normality and as it fell away in her in the palm of her hands that's where Harry would be.
2: I think so and I think that there would be a good amount of Harry being able to be patient and wait
0: yeah which is again something i think that Tory Stick captures really well but i could go on for days about how wonderfully well written this story is
1: yeah i could also mention there's i apayden is still one of my favorite fanfic authors ever i swear i mentioned him nearly every damn episode i'm sure joe will tell me um but he's got a brilliant fit called Waking Fred Weasley, um, in which harmony is a thing. But also you've, also, uh, you've got Ginny with Seamus, I think it is, um, and also various other bits and pieces. Um, and it's just, if you like harmony, you need to read. You need to read App fix. I'm sorry, you do.
2: Yes. So I think this comes down to the tropes of like a deep connection over friendship and that they would find each other over time, mostly, because they have such a deep emotional connection.
1: That's just the thing. You've got Harry and Hermione having a deep connection over the tent thing, but also you've got... Seamus and Ginny having a connection over some of the stuff that happened in the castle which nobody really recognizes and Fix I don't think because they even at Hogwarts they went through some shit considering they had Snape and the Carrows and everybody else and nobody recognizes that. That's why I
0: think that the the only trying that would actually happen would be between Hermione and Ron. I think both Ginny and Harry would emerge from that side of the war different people and they would realize that their paths are no longer aligned.
1: I think Ginny would still try because of the hero complex from second year but I don't think she would try for very long.
2: I think so. But I think she, Jenny has a better sense of self. That's part of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the other popular one that I've seen, particularly again in aiden's Fix, not that I've read, you know, any of them too many times, um, is Gabrielle Delacour is another popular one after rescuing her in the second task and that whole thing.
0: Um, Yeah, it just feels creepy to me. Okay. But I want to go ahead and uh, bring this episode to a close because we have a lot of good stuff here. But I I do want to recommend uh, some of the fixes that we got recommended in The Chord. We had one called uh, Not All Changes Are Visible and another one called If You Get There Before I Do. I'll make sure to include the links to those in the show notes for this episode. Uh, But any closing thoughts?
1: If I do, it's going to be far too long. So I will leave that to Ginny. Mm,
2: Closing thoughts. I think that there's a lot of evidence about Harry and Hermione's emotional connection and the trust that they have in each other's individuals, and I think that sets them up very well to be partners. As we discussed, I think the most logical aspect, talking through everything, would be them ending up together after the battle. But overall, I think that it's a foundational thing that doesn't exist with other characters for them.
1: It just much sense. That's the thing. That's why we keep on coming back to
2: it. I think so. It makes sense in a way that wasn't fully fleshed out. But I, I'm about to mention that the the world isn't um, built up enough three times. So I'm looking over my shoulder. Oh no, somebody's gonna appear. But I think you're gonna convince me to join y'all's Discord so I can continue talking with people about this post episode. So
0: awesome. Yeah. Uh, but.
1: I claim no responsibility for this
0: whatsoever. (laughs) But uh, again, everybody, uh, Jenny, thank you for joining us. Thanks everyone for listening. Maybe I'll be back. (laughs) As Lauren teased, we're going to have some really interesting stuff coming up over the coming months. So just uh, stay tuned. Books and Brooms is a HMS Harmony production released in association with Hall of Justice. Music and themes by James O'Dell. Books and Brooms is a fan experience not intended to infringe upon existing trademarks. All works are the property of their original creators. Harry Potter, created by J.K. Rowling. Wizarding World characters and associated media are a copyright of Warner Brothers Entertainment. All rights reserved.